The biggest thing you gave me was time. I've always been a proponent of do the job, do it well. When you're a family, everyone in the family has to be treated with respect. Coach Wooden, it always started with uh, relationships. It always started with coaching people's hearts. I want to know who you really are, right? You can put whatever you want on paper, but that that doesn't really matter. His teachers, they meet the learner wherever he is. They don't care what you know. <laughs> they won't. Until they know how much you care. When I talk to leaders, Right, and I hear their stories and I hear them respond to the, the questions. It's the same answers, but it's told in a very different way. And 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 I think that, you know, for, for a coach, you know, you always are questing to be able to give the information for for player 30, player number 37 and player number 28. They're two different people, right. but you find yourself having to shape the message in a different way because this guy gets it one way and he can absolutely not get it the, the way that the opposite player gets it. And so it's just been a, a, an incredible blessing to be able to provide this. So I thank you for coming on with us. Well, that's it's my pleasure. And so what you just said tells me that you're a pretty good coach, Ben. Uh, I tell you what, coaching to me, coaching is teaching. And and I, I learned that, you know, it seems like I've been doing this for 200 years. My players, they say, Coach, how old are you, like 80? You know, so. Uh, I, wait I, a minute. I Time out. Huh? Time out, Van. Time out. First of all, I've been here a long time. Second of all, I remember when you played high school at Waltrip. <laughs> well, I know I'm you're like a Ram. That. I know you're a Ram. <laughs> yeah. I remember well, when you were coaching high school at Waltrip. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, I remember when you played there. against us at Rice when you were at Texas. Yeah, so you ain't all that old, buddy. I need you to talk to my players, right? <laughs> and, and my son, my son calls me. What does he say? He calls me an old geezer. <laughs> like, how disrespectful can you be? <laughs> yeah, really. Um, and you also, speaking of Wall Trip, you also have a relationship with one of my best friends in the world, Sean Washington. Absolutely, yeah. Yes, and, yeah, and Sean, man, yes, unbelievable. Uh, and I, we, we talked about, we talked about you coming on to the podcast, and he was, he was excited for me. Well, let us, let us jump right into your story. Uh, no formal introductions here, because I like to give you the opportunity to, to tell us about your journey. Uh, your journey. How did you end up as the director of athletics? at Houston Baptist University? Well, it was, it was actually providential, to be honest with you. Um, so quick quick story, when I, was, when I was in high school growing up, little town in Ohio, one morning got up, saw the Today Show, used to watch the Today Show a little bit before I go to school. A lot of people don't know that now, but it used to be you watch the Today Show. Right. And so they had a piece on about the Ohio University Sports Administration Program. It was the only sports administration master's program in the country at the time. And I grew up in Ohio. I said, wow, you know, I, I, I'd always thought I wanted to get into coaching, but I thought, well, you know what? That sounds pretty cool. Maybe if I'm really lucky, I can get into that program. Long story short, I did get in that program. And I ended up getting an internship after I graduated from that program to Rice University here in Houston, Texas. That was in 1980. I stayed at Rice University until 2006. Uh, 
I was deputy athletic. I started out as, as basically chief gopher in the athletic department, as, as you do, and mm-hmm. uh, stayed there long enough that I, when I left, I was deputy athletic director. Uh, change in presidents at Rice, and uh, new president wanted, as often happens, wanted all his own people. And so I got let go at Rice. And um, Dr. Sloan, who's the president here at HBU, called me and said, would you do a study for us about how to take HBU back to Division I athletics? This had been a Division I program. They'd had a change in presidents back about 1990, and they dropped to NAIA. And he came in in 2006 and said, I want to take this back to Division I. So I know you're not doing anything, unfortunately. He said, but I'll pay you to do a study. So I came out here, did the study. Uh, Shortly after the first year in 2007, he presented the study to the board. The board overwhelmingly approved it. And he said, okay, now will you come on board to help me get this thing back to where we want it to go? Um, Ron Cottrell, uh, who was the basketball coach at the time, was also the AD. There were only five sports. So spring of 2007, I was hired to be the assistant athletic director and to oversee the project of getting us back to Division I athletics. We went from five sports, and when I got here in late January, to 14 sports by the time we started school in September. Um, We eventually had to sue the NCAA to get back into the NCAA, and uh, were successful in that suit. And so then in 2010, I was made the athletic director here at HBU. And so I've been here ever since. Okay. So I'm in my 42nd season of being a, a college administrator. Uh, don't, you know, I, I hope I have 42 more, but we'll see how that goes. Wow. An, an incredible blessing. You, you, you mentioned, you mentioned, and I just say this one word, two words, let go, Right. Sometimes, you know, when we hear that and we say that, we say I was let go, it's it's disappointing. And as a coach, right, it happens, right? And in our world, it happens. And it's it's so funny that like when you were let go, the next step was an amazing step for you. And and you you can't take that step unless you're let go. You know, you can't, you're not where you are today if if you don't go through some adversity. I had an opportunity. I have an opportunity on Thursdays to talk to our team. And that's what we talked about today. We talked about the fact that along the way, there will be adversity. At that moment, you think it's the worst thing ever. But then if you look back on where you've come from, you will see some peaks and valleys. And and sometimes it's not until you're let go that you can take the next step, all right? So, we often learn more in the valleys than we do in the peaks. That's right. I, I say to our team that a loss is a learning opportunity if you stay strong. Learning opportunity if you stay strong. So in your in your role, uh, you 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 have opportunities to to put people on your bus. You have opportunity to hire coaches. What is it that you look for in a coach in a staff member? so that you identify that person as as the right fit, the right one to be the best addition to your team? Well, Van, a couple of things. So first of all, um, I don't know that you have followed this or know this, but actually yesterday, Houston Baptist University became Houston Christian University. 
So we changed the name of the university yesterday. So that kind of changes my tempers my answer a little bit. But at Houston Christian University, it is a truly Christian university, as you know from your time in Houston. So the first thing that we look for, obviously, is a godly person. That is number one. That is the that is the only absolute requirement that we have. Uh, but then what I'm looking for is I'm looking for somebody who I think can be a servant leader to his or her athletes. Uh, and then I'm looking for somebody who's a good teacher, because like you said earlier, I think coaching is basically teaching. I think if you're a good teacher, you've got a really good shot at being a good coach. Now, in college, you also have to be a good recruiter, which is more of being about a salesperson. But if you're not a good teacher, it doesn't matter who you bring in here. I don't think you're going to have much success for very long. Right. So the, those are really the qualities that I look for. Um, and I will also look for somebody more often than not here for us in this situation that's hungry. Um, I'm going to look for somebody that maybe was is coaching at Division Two right now, or maybe even Division Three, or an NAIA school that they're looking to make the jump up to Division One, and they're just happy to have a Division One job. Um, you know, a lot of times we're we're at a very limited resource situation here, far 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 from being a Power Five, even far from being a Rice. Mm -hmm. So we have to have people who are hungry and are willing to make do with what we have and make the best of it. You know, we got we got to make uh, chicken soup out of chicken. You know what? Right. Right. And so we've a lot of times I'll look for folks who who may be coming from a lower division, but are really hungry to get to division one. Yeah, I've uh, you know, I, I have an opportunity now that you convinced me that I'm a seasoned coach. <laughs> had the opportunity to talk to a lot of younger coaches and coaches who are, or, you know, who want to be head coaches and everyone wants to coach at Alabama and everyone wants to coach at Texas. And I'm talking head coach or assistant coach. And, and they, you know, they see the, the lights, they see the big city and, and they think that that's what it's about. But, you know, what you said is that coaching, man, it's, it's, it's far beyond that is have an opportunity to shape lives, right? Have an opportunity to, to take people from one place to another place. And you can do that in Division II. I've had the opportunity to coach when I, with North Dakota State, we were Division II. Right. And, and you can do that at the large universities. I've had the opportunity to do that, and it's great, right? There's tremendous resources at Texas A&M and at Oklahoma State and at Kansas State. But then I've had the opportunity to do it at places like Tulsa, right? The places that there's not a lot of resources, there's not a lot of people in the building. And, and that honestly is the essence of it. I've had opportunity to coach in high school. And right. that is the essence of it, is that you know why you're doing it, right? You know, and you can see it on the faces of the young people that you work with and the young coaches that you work with because you're 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 right there in it with them, and you can touch them, and you can direct them uh, directly, if I can use exactly. that word. And you're not you're not you know going through six other people who may be on your staff who can help you to yeah recruit. You know yeah. you have to do the recruiting, and you yeah. have to check the classes, and you have to make sure that the post game meal is in place. Yeah. And so there there's something to be said. Something to be said for that. Absolutely. 
Well, this this podcast is about leadership. And, and you know, I've had the opportunity to be around some incredible leaders. And, and I know in your history as an administrator, you had the opportunity to be around some people who have directed your course in terms of leadership. And so I'd ask you, who, who has been the best leader that you've been around? And, and what is it that they, that they gave you in terms of your career, in terms of your operation as a leader? Well, I would have to tell you that I think the best leader I've ever been around is, is our, my current president, Dr. Robert Sloan. Um, just, uh, first of all, obviously, I mean, not obviously, but he, he is a, a minister. Um, he, is, he is an ordained minister and has led congregations. Uh, he also is a Rhodes Scholar, uh, has been president, was president at Baylor before he came to HBU, now HCU. And, um, you know, I think what I've taken from him as much as anything is how you care for the people who work with you. And, and I use that term instead of using the term work for you. Because if you want to get something done, it takes a team and they have to work with you. And so I've, I've really, I think I've taken as much from him and his style of leadership as I have from anybody, by far and away the best leader that I've ever been around. Yeah, you, you, you know, there are a lot of leaders who, I've, I've heard of a lot of leaders who um, they, it's about working for me. You don't work with me, you work for me. And, uh, you know, we always use the term in coaching, they want you to kiss the ring. And um, I had a very interesting experience when I was coaching, I was a defensive coordinator at SMU. And one of the guys on the staff, he did an interview. And, and what he said in that interview was a very, now he and I were friends even before we worked together, but what he said in that interview was very powerful to me. He said that my job here at SMU is to do all I can to help Coach Malone be the best defensive coordinator that he can be. And, and my job is to serve him, to do everything I can to make his job easier. And I was not doing the interview with him but in my mind, my job was to serve him, mm-hmm. to help make him the best coach that he could right. be, to help him be able to put his players in the best position, to help him do all the things that he right. wanted to achieve in his life as a coach. And so I, I just I realized that, man, if as as coaches, it's like a it's like a triangle. I'm serving him, he's serving me, we're both serving the players, the players. Right. They love us so much that they're trying to serve us. And so right. when you're doing it the right way, there's no me. It's right. only us. And right. it's always about the other person. And again, that's what happens. That football and sports are the greatest thing ever because with strangers, with people who didn't grow up with you, you get an opportunity to do things that you do in your family. You know, as a, as yeah. a father, I don't eat until my kids eat. Right. You know, I don't want something until I make sure that that they eat. The players, I'm here working late at night to make sure that I put them in the proper position. Coach Kleiman, who is our head coach, I'm the assistant head coach. Someone, I heard someone ask a question, well, what is your number one job? 
And the, he was asking a coach this question, what is your number one job? And the coach said to graduate the players, to do this, to recruit hard. He just kept your number one job is to help that head coach be the best head coach he can be. So then after that, all those other things that he kept naming, those things will fall into fall place. In place. Yep. We'll work to do those things to help you do those things. But your number one job is to is to do all that you can to make him mine, to make sure that Coach Kleiman's job, that I don't give him any difficulties, that I make it as easy right. as I can for him. Right. Now, let's, let's shift gears a little bit and, and let's rewind because I know that here at Kansas State during 2020, during, during COVID and during our social justice um, initiatives and the things that we dealt with in 2020 and some we're still dealing with, uh, there was a ton of adversity. We spoke about adversity earlier, um, but, but how did those moments, how did those moments of COVID and the COVID protocols and what we dealt with with our staffs how did that make you a better leader? Well, you know, I think I think really it as much as anything kind of polished the stone a little bit. Um, you have to examine. You really have to examine the decisions that you're making in a situation when you get in situations like that. You really have to examine the situation, the the decisions that you're making. Are they, are they really the right decisions? Are they truly really the right decisions? Because in some cases you begin to wonder, are you putting somebody's life at risk? I mean, we got to a point there, if you remember in 19 and 20, when we were wondering whether the right thing to do was practice because we might be putting the kids' lives at risk. Right. So you really are making, at least you think at the time, you're making decisions that might have real serious, serious implications. So you better be making the right decision. So I think as much as anything, I don't know that it, it necessarily made me a better leader, but it certainly made me examine my bedrock principles about why I was making the decisions I was making and was I making them for the right reasons? Yeah, yeah. I, I just, you know, every time we talk about that moment in time, um, I, I reflect on you know, the great learning opportunities that we had, right? Because we had coaches, <laughs> we had coaches who didn't know how to turn the computer on. But then all of a sudden they found themselves having to coach and teach through Zoom. You know, right. Zoom, I didn't even know what Zoom was. Right, what is right? Zoom? And so, yeah. and so, you know, you, you have the opportunity now, even in this forum, to be able to connect with people all over the world through Zoom. And well, how else would we have been able to do this? So when Pat brought it to me, how will we connect with these people? What am I going to do? Am I going to fly Steve here? Am I going to go to Texas? No, COVID, this is a, a blessing of that came, you know, in, in a very, right. very rough time. And so, right. uh, yes, I, I I understand your point of hey, just, just polishing the stone and making sure that the decisions you which at that time were all in our minds, yeah, right. Life changing, life threatening, yeah. Uh, you know, decisions. Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of it had to do. You know, I mean, you mentioned two very big issues that were going on at the same time: the social justice issues, along with the COVID issues. And and I think it was very very challenging because I think we could have dealt 
with one by itself fairly easily. We could have dealt with the other by itself fairly easily because we're in a world where we deal with those kind of things. It's not wouldn't be so easy for either one of them if you're not in athletics. But if you are in athletics, I think you could deal with either one separately, right? Pretty easily. But when you pile them on top of each other, all of a sudden it becomes not so easy, right? You know, it, and, and and I appreciate what you said about Zoom. But when you're when you're having team meetings about whether your team is even going to step on the field because of social justice issues, having those team meetings over Zoom may not be the best thing you want to do at the time. Right. Because there's interpersonal relationships there that need to take place and and people who need to be heard and felt, not just heard, but felt. And so that that's really what I mean. So so you talk about Zoom. So do you have a meeting like that on Zoom or do you risk having an in-person meeting? Because the issue and the topic is so important that you need to feel the people in the room, not just see them. And so that's that those were the issues that we dealt with that really challenged us as far as the decision making process. Yeah, that, that was uh, as you speak about the, that meeting. Right. We had a we had a very serious discussion and, and there were some times where where we had to decide, you know what, this is so important that we need to we need to have these young men here right we need we need to have them here because you know we dealt with a lot of young people having issues with depression we had uh, anxiety issues and so there were there were some moments in there that that we said listen we, like you said earlier this is the right decision it might not it, it might be a little scary but no this is the way right. we have to do it right so when you think about your staff and and how they would describe your leadership style, what what would they describe it as? And then I'll ask you, over the years, has your leadership style changed? Uh, so two parts. So number one, probably would it be better to ask them that question than ask me, obviously. I would hope that they would describe me as I just said I would look for in the coaches as a servant leader. Um, you know, that's what the Bible teaches us. And so that's what I've always strived to be. I, I kind of always go back to that old saying that, that God gave us one mouth and two ears. Right. So you should listen twice as hard as you want to say something. And so I, I, I pride myself on being a good listener first. Um, so that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of who I am. Uh, and then, and then I guess the second part of that, what, what was the second one again? Has, has your leadership style, has it changed, has it changed over the yeah. years? Do you think you've changed? I don't think I've changed really. Um, I would think people would tell you that when I was at Rice 16 years ago, I was pretty much the same type of person I am now, but I've certainly matured. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm certainly more confident in my, my decision-making. Uh, I, I think when you become the athletic director and the decisions, you know, for the most part, by and large, a lot of decisions rest on your desk. You know, you hope that you have others that can make good decisions. And if you made good hires, they can make good decisions. But at the end of the day, the really important decisions are going to end up on your desk. And so you have to have some confidence in the decisions that you're making. 
And I'm certainly much more confident in my decision-making ability now than I was when I was not an athletic director 15, 16, 17, 18 years ago. So I don't know that, that my style has changed any, um, but certainly my, my confidence in, in what I'm doing has changed and improved the more I've matured. Right. And it may be that I'm so old, I don't care anymore. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there comes a point where, where, we, where we are not trying to please everyone, where yeah. we're just trying to do the right things. Yep. So this is a, this is a, I don't know, sometimes this is a cool question to ask, but, but uh, it's cool for me to hear the answer. So for me as a coach, you know, and we kind of talked about it earlier, but, but I have a player who is just, he's just not getting it. And, and I do different things. I, I try to attack different learning styles to be able to get this young man on track. But then all of a sudden, all of a sudden he gets it, right? For me as a coach, that's game day. Yeah, I know what happens on the field every Saturday. Yeah, that's game day. But, but really... The, the ultimate gratification for me is, is when, I, when, I, when I see a young man get it. And sometimes that's something that's, that we're doing on the field. A lot of times that's something that's happening off the yeah. field. A lot of times that's, that's a moment of maturation for a yeah. young man. Yeah. But what I'd ask you is, as an, athletic, as an athletic director, what is your game day? You know, I, I think for me, as much as anything, it's to see, it's the same sort of thing. It's to see young staff members mature into, into people who are capable of making good decisions and who are confident about the decisions they make. And a lot of times for me, it's about the ability to get them another job and get them a better job. Um, you know, I mean, when you, when you work in an athletic department like this, you end up having a lot of young people because obviously our pay scale isn't what it is at a power five school. And so, you know, coming in that they're probably, if they're good, they're not going to be here very long. And if they're not good, you might not want them very long. All right. But, you know, for me, it really is seeing them mature, seeing them get the job they want to get and get into the roles that they really want to get into. Great. Great. Well, this is, this is my final question. And this is another been another cool question that I've gotten from people is because I hear all kinds of answers on this one. Uh, but you know, if you could talk to your younger self, right? If you could talk to that that young man who may be set in his ways, but if you could talk to your younger self, what is something that that you wished or that you could tell him that that you wished you knew back then that you knew today? Well, you know, I think, I think as much as anything, probably that there are going, we talked about this earlier, there's going to be peaks and valleys and the valleys are okay. Um, ride the valleys, don't, don't freak out in the valleys, but the valleys are going to be okay. And I think that's the thing that you, as you mature, I think those, that's what you learn as much as anything is that those valleys are going to be all right. You know, in, in our case, obviously, we, we believe that God has a plan for you and, and that God's plan is a good one. And if you can really trust that, if you can really trust that and believe that, then those valleys are okay. 
And I think as I've gotten older, I'm at a point where I trust that and believe that. And I pro and I'm sure I didn't when I was 20 and 30 years old. I'm sure I didn't believe that. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, well, Steve, I, I appreciate your time. And this was uh it was a great, a great time, great discussion. Uh again, I think, I think our using one of these words again, our viewers uh will will have learned from this moment with you. Uh, and I appreciate you. Uh, congratulations on the new, the the naming of the university, Houston yeah. Houston Christian University. Uh, of all, of course, being being from Houston, always had great respect for the university. Always thought it was a very good school, and uh, uh, excited to to watch your teams play. Excited to um, push and and uh, and uh, cheer for you guys along the way. Well, Van. Thanks. It's been great to watch your career, my man. It's been fun to watch it. So it wasn't fun when we were having to play against you at Rice. I'll tell you yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs>